you protect what you love. Hunting is a life, not a lifestyle, it's a life. This is Hunters to show people how great of a job we're doing for conservation, providing for ourselves all the things you and I understand. I think you kind of owe it to the animal that you're hunting to be as prepared as possible. You know, as I get older, I appreciate the laughs and the time and the experience. Mr. Brian Murphy, thank you for taking the time. We, we're actually, so we're down here at the QDMA convention and I know you stay busy at these things, so thank you for taking the time out of your day, your busy day, to do this, to sit down and talk with us for a few minutes. Oh, it's my pleasure, and, and uh, if there's ever been a time to take the time out of your schedule and talk about something important, it's about chronic wasting disease, so I'm yeah. glad to do it. Yeah, so um, we had that outbreak, not a, a, the wrong word, they had that deer found in, uh, it's Queen, right, Jordan? Yep, um, it's north of Vicksburg, a little ways. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah you got the county. Yeah, and uh, January. Mm-hmm. And so the main reason I wanted to talk to you is, you know, anyone, if you know nothing about deer hunting, if you know a little bit about CWD from, from any, a lot of times when people hear CWD, chronic wasting disease, they just automatic just freak out because they don't know there's a lot of, you know, un, you know, stuff that's not known there. They don't know what to expect. They don't know what to be scared of. And so... That's why I kind of want to talk to you because I know you'd be a knowledgeable person about it. So kind of like first, what, what is CWD? Well, guys, uh, unfortunately, I've spent the last 20 years of my career working on chronic wasting disease, and I, I, I do ha- work regularly with some of the top researchers in the country, the scientists that are doing the cutting-edge research on this disease, and there's still, still a lot we don't know. But <clears throat> the real basics are that chronic wasting disease is one of a – uh, several diseases in a group of what they call TSEs, which stands for transmissible spongiform encephalopathies, which is a big old mouthful. Right. But yeah, uh, I'm not even going to attempt to say yeah. that. <laughs> but basically, it's a group of diseases that are transmissible laterally from animal to animal. Some diseases take an insect bite or something as the vector. This goes right. animal to animal. Yep. Uh, so it's transmissible. Spongiform is basically the condition of your brain at the end of it. It mm-hmm. turns your brain into sponge. Mm-hmm. And encephalopathies is just swelling on the brain, brain, you know, right. brain injuries, basically. So what's different about this disease, and first of all, it's, it's related to, to mad cow disease, which is BSE, bovine spongiform encephalopathy. What, where, that, where that matters is that, that BSE has been shown to have human health implications. Mm-hmm. Right. A couple hundred people in Europe died mm-hmm. from eating infected uh, cow meat. So, so the concern among many hunters, particularly when it first jumped out, in, uh, in the eastern U.S. in 2001 in Wisconsin was that it could have human health implications. Thankfully, to date, there's been no evidence of that. However, there's one research project that's, uh, that's just come out recently from Canada that shows that macaque monkeys might be susceptible. Some in their test group developed the human form of this disease. Mm. So that's concern. But we, the jury's still out on human health issues, but CDC... Uh, Centers for Disease Control advise a hunter not eating a, a known CWD-infected animal. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. What makes this disease very different from any other disease we've, we've ever experienced in the deer world is that it's not caused by a bacterium or a virus. It's caused by a protein, something that's not technically alive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the tricky yeah. part here is that uh, the disease agent is not something that's alive. It's something that can stay in the environment for decades in the complete absence of deer. Yeah. So that's that's a that's a scary thing. Uh, the other thing is is there's no no known cure, no vaccine, and no practical live animal tests. So for moving live animals, whether they be deer farm animals or state agencies moving deer or elk around, there's no way we know for sure 
that those animals are CWD free. Right. So there's there's some real issues with this disease. It's an always fatal disease. There's never been a deer that's got it that didn't eventually die. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big issue. Uh, but the biggest thing is that we still don't know a lot about it. In the big scheme yeah. of things, there's more questions than answers. And so from a hunting perspective, there's there's a couple of different voices out there. There's voices on one end of the spectrum that say it's not even a disease, nothing to worry about. It's been around forever. Yeah, that's what I, I've heard that one a okay. bunch. Okay, and that's that's yeah. that's that's a that's a feel good story because hunters like to think, all right, it's nothing to worry about. Yeah, this is fine. It's fine, fine. Nothing to worry about. Then you got the other extreme end that all deer are going to be dead in 50 years, and hunting deer as we know it is going to be gone. You know, my gut feel. I say gut feel, my, my, my scientific professional feel, based on the top researchers in the nation, is that the truth is somewhere in between. Right. That it hasn't been around forever. Uh, where it came from, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. It was first described and discovered in 1967 in an area that formerly had sheep that had the sheep form of the disease. Right. These diseases are known to mutate over time. Did it mutate from the sheep version, which is called scrapie, mm-hmm. uh, into chronic wasting disease we don't know all we do know is that it's spreading across our country yeah and the, we're documented the spreading of it uh, out from uh, locations where it's discovered which is clear evidence it hadn't been around forever right. or everybody'd have it right and, yeah. and, the, and the rate of increase wouldn't be accelerating mm-hmm. if it's been around forever yeah. so that, that argument's clearly false you know is it going to devastate deer herds we don't really know but there are two studies now where it has been in uh, whitetail populations for a long time uh, that have shown population level in, uh, decreases because of CWD. Right. So there's some evidence, yeah. increasing <clears throat> body of evidence, that at a high enough infection rate of a given herd, that ultimately can start to deteriorate that population. Mm-hmm. So that's a concern. Yeah, honestly. yeah, a big honestly, concern. A big concern. Now, if there is good news on chronic wasting disease, the fact that it's a very slow spreading, slow forming disease, it doesn't kill deer quickly. Yeah. It takes years mm-hmm. in most cases. And in many cases, that deer can reproduce and or be shot by a hunter long before it will die from CWD. Right. That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so as long as there's, as long as we don't know of any human health concerns, most of the infected populations can survive and sustain themselves for quite a long while. Right. Perhaps decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the one that was shot in, or the one that was found in Mississippi, that was a four-year-old buck, correct? Right. I yeah. think three, it was a mature deer, I believe. Yeah. yeah, the interesting thing, it was a four-year-old, yeah. and it was actually, it's the first documented CWD case where a hunter actually watched the deer die. Yeah. Hmm. They had seen the deer on their hunting camp for, uh, around their hunting camp for several days. Several different members of the club had seen it, described it. It was an abnormally small antler deer for a four-year-old, and so it was not a deer that the club would have harvested. Right. But it stood there and let them drive their, their four-wheelers right up to it, and it just didn't act right. Right. They could tell something then, was off. And then ultimately, <clears throat> one of the hunters was sitting in a stand, and this deer entered the woodlot that he was in, went up to some bushes and, and laid down, and he thought, I think that's that strange deer. And then 10 minutes later, he heard some thrashing, and he looked over, and the thing's belly up, kicking and taking its last breath. That was it. That was it. Wow, that's huh. crazy. And this is a club that's uh, part of uh, – it's owned by a company – the land is owned by Anderson Tully Company, right, the company yeah. we worked with a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have good data. They have there's no known releases, no legal feeding. I mean, you know, the, we don't know where this deer came from. We yeah. just don't have a clue. They did do a DNA test on it to see if it was a, a native wild deer or perhaps an escaped farm deer. Mm-hmm. All evidence suggests it was a native deer. Right. Um, that they went in and harvested several additional animals and have yet to find another case. And there's only two other places in the country where we've seen one animal pop up 
and that was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And eventually those two areas were deemed CWD free and everything right. went back to normal. But in all other cases, and I'm talking about dozens and dozens, once you got it, you seem to, to get it. Right. So the chances of it being an isolated case are, are, are more are, rare? Yes. There's only two known cases, one right. in New York, and I think the other was either in Minnesota or Michigan. I think it was Michigan. Gotcha. So if a deer's got CWD, he's able to breed and re- replenish, you know, offspring every year. Do they carry that disease, you know, their kids or the bones or whatever when they drop them? It's my understanding that, yes, the, the, they would pass that, that, that condition on to their, because okay. it is an animal-to-animal transmission disease. And, and we get it through, through uh, certainly the body fluids, um, blood, urine, mm-hmm. uh, things like feces, saliva. Uh, we know a lot of p- potential paths. Uh, in, in true wild situations, we don't really n- understand yeah. fully the mechanisms, but, but certainly they've been able to detect the prion, which is the disease agent. It's a protein. Right. This is what causes the disease. Again, is, a, is not a living thing. It's a protein. It's an abnormally folded protein. And what happens is it gets into a cell with a, a, a normal protein. It causes the normal proteins to, to, to basically misshape and fold back on themselves. Mm-hmm. And it slowly eats away at the central ner- nervous tissues. And basically, yeah. if you picture, you know, uh, uh, Swiss cheese with all the holes in it. That's ultimately what it's doing, uh, you know, step at a time to your brain. And mm-hmm. at, at one point, there's too many holes in your brain to function, and you lose all awareness and stagger around, and then you die. Yeah. You know, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty standard deal. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is um, they've also shown that these prions, this disease protein, have been discovered in soil. They've found them in mineral lick sites where deer congregate around mineral licks. Mm-hmm. They've actually shown that they can be up, to, up taken up into plant tissue uh, from soils right. or, or, or through urination or defecation on those plants. So conceivably, you know, again, we haven't shown that this actually happens in the wild, but conceivably, you know, uh, we could harvest soybeans in the Midwest and, and feed them to deer in another part of the country and be transmitting the disease that way. Right. It's hypothetical. It's possible, though. But it's possible. Uh, same with soil infection. We could be getting soil on our boots in a state with CWD and moving the stuff to our state. I mean, there's yeah. just an incredible number mm-hmm. of possibilities. But the fact is we really don't know yeah. how it's moving. There's a lot of unknowns. The, the best, the two things that, that, that we could do as a community of deer hunters to help s- slow the spread of this disease or prevent it from reaching new areas, first is to quit moving live deer. Yeah. Uh, again, whether it's a deer farmer or a state wildlife agency, we've got to quit moving these deer and elk until we know for sure that we have a test that can show that they don't carry the disease. The second thing is the hunter responsibility. Yeah. You know, if you're hunting in an area that's got CWD, uh, chances are that state and many other states around it will have have regulations on what parts of that animal you can take back to your home state. Yeah. And, you know, don't cheat the system. It's important. You know, this is the serious stuff. If you don't want it in your backyard, don't bring it to your backyard. Uh, so what we're talking about in most cases are the, the brain, the spinal column, the, the bones, and the skull right, part. Right, 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 yeah. So... Be responsible. Bone that animal out. Take the boned-out meat. If you got a, a buck, clean that skull cap. Get that brain matter out, and you're gonna be just fine. Yeah, that's one thing. Is with us going elk hunting every year, it's lengthening our uh, trip because we're sitting down there deboning elk for three or four days now. But you got to do it's it. Something to, you have to do. Yeah. yeah, it's just the responsible thing to do. If, if you don't want to bring it back to your home state or your little little backyard, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know it's one possible uh, outbreak occurred 
it's not proven, but highly suspected that it was a taxidermist who was dumping carcasses out in a dead pit yeah. and had some CWD-infected animals, and then all of a sudden it showed up in his backyard. Mm. So this is this is real stuff. I mean, you know, we got, most hunters have a have a dead pit on their property or somewhere they, right. they dispose their carcasses. Mm. Most of them aren't covered. They're just open yeah. pits. Uh, heck, I'm guilty of it. I mean, you know, we all, that's the way many of us hunt. Yeah, yeah. And, but, yeah. Uh, if you're in a CWD area, you've got to really rethink how we've done business for, for a lot of years. Well, that's interesting, too, because, you know, I didn't, I didn't even think about that, but the amount of people, I mean, think about the people traveling, hunting now. You go to hunt your buddy oh, yeah. state, and there's just that much, and not even, like you're talking about, if it got transferred through the soil or soybeans or whatever, there's a, what's scary is, is that you're not, there, there's no one, not one known factor of how it got there. No, in many cases there's not. In some cases it's it's there's no smoking guns. Some cases it right. appears to have been an escape or or a transmission from yeah. a deer farm to surrounding mm-hmm. yeah. wild deer. Uh, I'm sure there's some examples where wild deer have given it to farm deer. You know, yeah, I, mean, you know. I, yeah I, I can remember when I was at a uh, Mississippi State. We had a biologist come and talk to us and talk about the the problem they had with people still trying to cross the lines, uh, state lines with live deer to put them in high fences and stuff right. and it was just a matter of you know not really i i don't know if those people knew the dangers of what they were doing or knew the risk of you know possibly bringing cwd in they just wanted to have deer in their high fences and they that's didn't right. know what they could possibly be doing that's right you know you mentioned it touched on a good point you know today's hunters are more mobile than they've ever been yeah. they're hunting multiple states yeah. and if you haven't seen it go to the qdma website and we got an article there there was a map published uh of the hunters who hunted the four most infected counties in the country which are all back to back in wisconsin mm-hmm. they had the longest time and there were thirty-two thousand hunters who successfully harvested a deer in one of those four counties last year holy okay. smokes okay. that's, okay. A, lot of that's a lot of deer yeah. yeah and if you look at the map of the u.s it shows the zip code of where those p- people reside okay mm-hmm. the zip code of where they live right if you think about a, a turkey choke pattern a full choke turkey load m- most of it was right around wisconsin Mm-hmm. But then you back up and look at the whole U.S. It looked like a number eight pattern with a you know open cylinder because yeah. there were every single state in the nation except Delaware, including Alaska and Hawaii, has successful hunters who hunted one of those four counties. Wow, that's just four that's counties. A, that's incredible. That's yeah. just four counties with CWD. Yeah. One deer season. We've got a couple hundred counties with CWD now <clears> in this country, and you <throat> multiply that across the number of hunters. Yeah, you know the, yeah. It's, it's like you know if you think of the uh, proverbial you know sick person that gets on a plane and travels around the world and all right. of a sudden you infect half the world because of the two degrees of separation yeah, between so yeah. many the people Ebola scare you know, a couple of years ago everybody you know and, yeah. and to further complicate matters there's again research that shows that that uh, uh carrying eating animals and predators like you know your your vultures mm-hmm. uh things like coyotes can also consume infected animals and pass right. the prions through them yeah and they may travel some distance with that material. And mm-hmm. one on top of that, they've now shown that domestic swine, which is easy leap to, to, to feral hogs, yeah. uh, can carry the prions without showing any symptoms. So they're yeah. asym- you know, the asymptomatic uh, carriers. So if it gets into our wild hog population, it could be everywhere overnight. Golly, the especially, yeah. They're not effect from it. Yeah, they and don't that, show any ill effects, but yet they can carry and dispose, move the prions across the yeah. landscape. And, and with the gum. amount of feral hogs in that area. Daggum yeah. hogs. So, 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 you know, the one thing, though, I'm, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, and I believe in American ingenuity and science right. that ultimately we'll figure this stuff out yeah. um, or we'll figure out a way to at least manage around it. Right. But but there's no certainty you know as a deer yeah. person that's worked in the deer field for my entire professional career 
I'm more concerned about this than anything I've ever dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just serious as I can be. Uh, but that doesn't mean we give up either. Right. You know, we can't just give up, throw our hands in the air, and say we can't solve it, we can't figure it out. It's over. Let's just live with it. I don't buy into that either. Yeah. I don't think every nook and cranny of the Whitetails Range has to have it, mm-hmm. or at least any time in the next right. several hundred years. Um, so, so I think we we do all we can as hunters. Uh, we continue to support the efforts of our state wildlife agencies, and and what really concerns me there is, and I've seen some 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 social media stuff recently that's just really damaging. I think yeah. where well-known people get out and start bashing their agency. Yeah. So my agency's stupid. They don't know what they're doing. Bunch of pencil-headed biologists. It's all you know, all politics. I promise you. I work with these state agencies. These right. are good folks that are trying their best to help yeah. do right. Mm-hmm. Um, they they've worked their whole life to be a wildlife professional. They've gone to school longer than they had to for the amount of money they make to get beat on by the public. Yeah, right. I mean, you got to love something. I know yeah. I'm not, I can't speak for everybody, but I know they don't make as much as you could doing something else with the same degree. And they got to love it to do that. That's yeah. right. I mean, this this is a good profession with good people in it trying to do right. They're the gold standard of the world. Most parts of the world are envious with our, our, our wildlife management system. So let's support our agencies. They're going to do some things that, that are unpopular with hunters. They're gonna, first yeah. things that they're going to do in most cases is reduce baiting and feeding. Yeah, if that, I was going to ask you about that. If that, that practice is there, they're probably going to remove mineral supplementation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to take away some things, maybe even deer urine, natural deer urine. Right. Um, these are not popular moves for agencies to do. No, they, they yeah. know they're going to get absolutely yeah. hammered by the by the public. Yeah, the baiting things ruffled a lot of feathers. Yeah, and and there's no evidence yet because unfortunately we we have done the same thing over and over almost everywhere it's come up. We take away all these things from hunters, we shoot a lot more antlerless deer, and we test, test, test. Right, because that's how we normally manage diseases. This may be a different disease because so far it hadn't worked anywhere. Yeah. Um, so it's frustrating to to all of us. To keep doing the same thing and, and expecting something different, right? And that's where a lot of hunters, I think, have some justification to question yeah. the, the moves, right? But because we know that prions are moved through saliva and urine, concentrating animals at a single bait site mm-hmm. or a single mineral site, it's just common sense. I mean, yeah. if, if you were sick or if you knew somebody was sick that just drank in a water fountain and sucked their lips on it, would you go up and do the same right. knowingly? No. Yeah, and if you, know. you if you watch a deer eat corn. When he gets that corner's mouth, he's steady dropping it back out. Yeah. yeah, and I can I can remember again back to the, my Mississippi State days. One of the first I had a, a wildlife diseases class. One of the first things that uh, he covered was talking about baiting causes concentration of deer heightens the risk of disease spread because you have such a high concentration. And that's I figured that was why they were doing that. But that's as again that was one of the biggest questions or complaints you hear about. After the CWD came out, it's just you know why can't you know the bait and ban this that and the other. Well, basically, what 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 we we'll deal with are, are varying degrees of risk. Right. The baiting doesn't bring CWD in. The minerals don't bring it in. Uh, so all, all we're talking about is is risk. And so mm-hmm. first, the highest risk we have is movement of known in, or live animals that may be infected. Right. Yeah, it's really, I that's, mean, far that's, as that's the, the number one quick way to get it 60 miles down the road in a pickup truck. Right. Okay. Second is infected deer parts. Mm-hmm. And as you move down through things like baiting and feeding and, and minerals, and you get towards the very bottom, urine and things like that are towards the bottom of the risk factors, right. you know, we, we think based on science. So, you know, our organization, QDMA, our position is let's tackle the big stuff. Let's, let's get the things that are most likely to help us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so far, we have not jumped on the get rid of things like deer urine bandwagon, even though, yes, that's a risk. There's some risk there. Right. We think it's low relative to some of the other factors. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, baiting and feeding is kind of in between, and we're kind of still grappling with exactly where to land on that issue because you know it's socially so accepted in so many parts of the Whitetails Range that right. you're getting in people's serious, you know. That's the way know, they hunt. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, you're. Yeah. That's somebody's deer hunting. It's like kicking their dog and calling her wife ugly. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's serious stuff, and and we take it serious. So I mean, that'd be the same way if somebody told me I couldn't get in a climbing stand anymore. Right. Well, <laughs> here, here's the way I think at it. Thinking about you know, I, I don't know, you know, I know there's probably going to be guys listening to this that are just inquisitive about it. There're probably going to be folks listening to this that are kind of that might be on the ruffled feather side of it. Here's the way I think of it. I think one, I think it's interesting to hear the steps that they're going through to make these kind of decisions. But just to step back and think about it, you know, knee jerk reaction oh, they're taking my baiting away, they're taking this, they're taking that away. But we think about what they're doing it for. You know, it's not like the, the agencies aren't taking it away just to do it. There's a reason for it. You know, they're trying to, it's like, you know, they're trying to, you know, keep deer hunting around for the future they're yeah. trying to contain the problem that's the way you have to think about it I, I think anyways and that's the way i see it no doubt i mean states are are largely funded by deer hunters of all right. user groups deer hunters pay the bulk of the freight for every state agency almost in the nation deer and elk out west so they're doing things that knowingly might have a a, a short-term or maybe long-term impact on right. license sales right and so they're cutting in their own funding source to making these decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, they're entrusted to look after that state's resources for the long haul, for a thousand-year look. Yeah. So they're mandated differently than the hunter who thinks next day, next year, next hunting season. They're looking, you know, literally hundreds of years down the road. Mm -hmm. And so they have to use something called the precautionary principle. If in doubt, take a cautious approach. That's yeah. how they're trained. That's how they're mandated, in some cases, by law do everything on a conservative basis to protect yeah. the resource first and foremost so they're doing it for the right reasons you may not agree with it yeah and it may not ultimately be the right move we don't know in some cases but better safe than sorry right. the old yeah. adage, I, and that's yeah. why they're doing it i agree yeah and I, and I would give a plug here to mississippi too because uh we've worked with we've worked with all state wildlife agencies in the whitetails range and mississippi is at the very top in terms of how well they work with their hunters mm -hmm. how well they follow science they have a, a very positive cooperative working relationship with uh, Mississippi State. Uh, they have a unique, uniquely positive uh, model uh, and still work with hunting clubs on a regular basis. A lot of states have almost stopped doing that. So you, you've got a good state agency there. Right. They've won our state agency of the year award on a couple of occasions. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, they're at the top of their game. So mm -hmm. if any state can be commended for trying to do right, I'd put Mississippi right there at the top. All right. Oh, going back on, like, characteristics of – well, how do you, if you see a deer before he gets to the staggering point or anything, is there any way to tell if the deer has CWD? No, there's not any way to tell a deer has CWD without physically, you know, testing mm -hmm. it after death. But uh, like like many diseases, a deer that doesn't act or look normal should be at least suspect. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Now, a lot of hunters confuse CWD with EHD mm -hmm. or blue tongue. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Two very different diseases. Blue tongue virus, or, 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 or hemorrhagic disease as we call it, uh, is a pretty regular disease of white-tailed deer. It kills more deer on an annual basis than CWD. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Uh, but the thing about it is once it moves through an area, it doesn't stay in the soil. It doesn't stay in the environment. Right. You can go years, decades without seeing it again. Right. Uh, but it's, the difference is that when EHD hits, you see it quickly, yeah. Yeah. often. You'll find dead deer in a short period of time, typically around water. Around your creeks. And, and it's very yeah. seasonal. You're going to see it between on a late July or August into early October, and then it's gone. Yeah. Because what, how it moves is through a, an insect vector. Mm -hmm. uh, the insect's got to right. bite an infected deer and fly over and land on another, where CWD is passed animal to animal, right. laterally. 
So, you know, if you find multiple dead deer, late summer, early fall, around water, 99% chance almost that it's going to be EHD. Just about every state's had that, right? Yes. Every year. We've had some very significant outbreaks recently, so a lot of hunters are familiar, broadly at least, with, with hemorrhagic disease or blue yeah. tongue virus. Uh, so, so two very different diseases. One has an immediate impact, sometimes on a fairly significant scale, yeah. and knocks a deer herd back pretty hard. The mm-hmm. uh, thing with EHD is that as you move north in the U.S., and west, it gets more intense where it hits because those deer don't see it as often. Yeah. You guys in Mississippi, us in Georgia, our deer see it so frequently see that it, we get yeah. low mortality. 10%, sometimes 5%, if you get them here and there. You get up into Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois, where they don't see it very often. When they get it, man, they get hammered. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. get into southern Michigan, Montana, what happened in the Milk River a few years ago, you can lose 50% of your deer herd. Yeah, yeah. I, we, I was in, um, I was working in Iowa in 2012. When that big hammer hit. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was an intern at uh, Midwest Whitetail, and um, we were doing a bunch of public land stuff with uh, Cabela's, and we would go and walk those creeks, and the amount of dead deer we found was crazy. It's phenomenal. They they their 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 harvest declined by forty nine percent in a couple of year period. I mean, you talking about hitting a you know that's noticeable. Yeah. Um, yeah. What we saw with EHD is two thousand seven. We had a what we then considered a once in fifty, maybe once in a hundred year outbreak. Then 2012 came around, right. and it was worse. Mm-hmm. So we had 200-year events in five years, and our deer herd suffered in the Midwest. I mean, they yeah. truly were beat up. Uh-huh. So is a different beast. It's slow. It's insidious. You don't see a lot of dead deer on the landscape because most of the time a CWD deer is not found staggering at the end of its life because a predator takes it before that right. Right. or uh, a car hits it. They're four times more likely to get hit by a car. Yeah, because you know? they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're susceptible also to pneumonia at the later stages of life. So you see CWD deer dying. Often hear the critics say no deer's ever been found dead of CWD. That's BS to start with. But you're not likely to find a bunch of them dead. It's just less likely because gotcha. they're going to die to other causes. Uh, again, but the diff- real difference is a we can do something about CWD. We can stop moving deer. We can stop moving deer parts. Right. We can stop congregating them. Uh, and the other thing is, is, you know, where you don't have it, just try not to ever get it. Right. Uh, because yeah. once you have it, it's kind of like radiation, I think, in the soil. You, it takes you a lot. We don't know mm-hmm. how long this stuff can last yeah. in the complete absence of deer. Yeah. Um, in decades. So, um, mm. yeah, it's, t- it's a tough one. And, and, and hunters need to be educated. They need to make themselves at least basically aware right. of, of it. And one thing that we did, uh, QDMA did recently, was partnered with Onyx Maps. Yeah. And created a CWD layer in their map. I saw that. Yeah. On there. And I, if you don't know where CWD is near you or where you hunt, go on that map, and it shows every county in the country. Yeah. You can see if if it's a positive county or not. And if you may hunt one county next to a hot county, I I would just consider you probably have it there and take similar precautions even if you don't have to. Right. Uh, so so be aware uh, of what's going on. Um, again, try to. Try to do your best to, to keep a, a level head if, if your state starts taking things away from you that you cherish. Mm-hmm. Understand why. Yeah. If they're try, generally, you're trying to figure this stuff out. There's a lot of good research going on right now. There is maybe some hope that we can find a genetically resistant uh, type, serotype or strain of, of whitetails that don't get the disease. Right. And we could restock those into areas that are, are, are impacted mm-hmm. by CWD. Uh, there is one genotype, uh, different genotypes uh, of whitetail subspecies, if you will, that one of them in particular has shown to have a much delayed uh, onset of the disease. Uh, they live, in some cases, two and three years longer than others. Mm. Uh, 
that's good and bad. Uh, a, they, they survive longer, that's good. Problem is, we think they're still shedding the disease agents yeah. for a longer uh, period of time. Yeah. Uh, so they're contaminating their environment worse than if they died early. Right. Um, so, you know, we're still looking. Uh, still a lot of research going on, but we need, you know, we just need to be patient. We need to be cautious until we figure this stuff yeah. out. Yeah, that's one thing that I definitely wanted to highlight is people are working on this, doing research on it constantly. And, and, and our organization has been working with uh, a number of others to get some bills in Congress that will give us some significant funding, yep. like 25 and $30 million yeah. worth mm-hmm. of funding. Because right now the, the funding for this, this research is very limited. Yeah. And this stuff takes a long time. Uh, that's the problem with the, these kinds of diseases is that, you know, the human form can take, you know, 60, 70 years to manifest itself in mm-hmm. a human. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even in, in, in deer, it takes, you know, months and years, in some cases, right. a couple of years. Right. Uh, so, so these are long-term studies, take mm-hmm. a lot of money, uh, take high biosecurity if you're in an area that doesn't have it, so you don't contaminate the, the research test, facility. Yeah. The actual test itself for CWD is pretty costly, isn't it, too? Or it's, it takes a while to it do it? Takes, it takes a while. Um, some states have labs. There's a couple of national labs. You know, they're 30 or $40 a sample. They're not yeah. highly costly, but if you're testing tens of thousands of animals yeah. in a state, it, it consumes a big chunk of a state's budget. Mm-hmm. You know, it could have been helping, you know, uh, buy more land for hunters or outreach for hunters or whatever. Yeah. So we're diverting resources in many cases. Problem is there's not many labs unless you are in a state that has uh, high, high incidence of CWD. Some states are covering the cost of testing for the hunters. Some are not. Um, but I would encourage you, if I were in the CWD area and – testing was available to me I would process that animal put it in the freezer and wait on the test results until I knew for sure mm-hmm. whether it was positive or negative right and I personally would choose not to eat it I know many people probably listening and say I, I don't worry about it if it's you positive know. if yeah. it's positive yes if it came back negative I, I would eat it no yeah. problem uh, but I you know I personally wouldn't but yeah. everybody has to make their own decision on that so in our area right there I mean we hunt not far at all from the hot zone what they call it from where they found the deer in Mississippi yeah who do you contact to get that test ran, or how does that go about? Well, every state's a little different. First thing I'd do is, is contact state agency mm-hmm. and ask, ask their opinion. I'd do that before you go hunting, so you, you know when you know get what there what do. you're going yeah, to do. Yeah. Uh, if I was two or three counties uh, uh, removed from from a hot hot animal, a single case like in Mississippi, I personally would, would eat those animals, no, no drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was hunting in the four counties in Wisconsin that I referenced earlier, we have 40 50% infection mm-hmm. in some cases. Right. I'd get it tested. So, I mean, um, you know, the chances are, um, based on everything we know at this point, that the risk is highly, highly unlikely in a human at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. But again, it, it can take decades to show yeah. up and cause dementia-like symptoms mm-hmm. in, in humans. It's just a why gamble kind of thing. Well, it, well why gamble? Uh, and and if you gamble now, you know, I'm 50 years old. If I was 70 years old, things, other things are gonna kill me long before this, <laughs> this would. Right. But, but right. I got a couple of young daughters. You know, I think about it differently. Yeah. Would, you know. yeah. So each person has to make up their own decision. There have been tens of thousands of Americans, literally tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, that have consumed CWD-positive deer. Of those 32,000 animals I, I referenced earlier from Wisconsin that right. went to different places all over the country, only a, a few hundred of them were tested. Right. And that's in an area with high infection rate. Right. So even if you said only 10% of those animals are infected, yeah, that's still hundreds of people just in, just in that one area. So, you know, and there's been a number of studies where they looked at the incidence of the human form out west where this disease has been around a long time. Mm-hmm. They took humans and said, did you eat venison? Did you not? Looked at it over time. There's zero evidence that there's any trends there. So 
it, it you know we're gonna we're gonna be cautious uh, but again I'm not one that's saying the world's over because of CWD because I don't think it is mm-hmm. right but I'm not sure not saying it's not even a disease nothing to worry yeah. about yeah it's know? definitely something worth our attention uh, it's a serious concern of our organization right. and of 90 percent plus probably 98 percent of those who really understand this disease they think it's serious and it's worth taking take yeah. it seriously right Absolutely. don't listen to the two percent on either end that are you know uh, just saying either either extreme viewpoint yeah, yeah. you always got some people just say yeah. something because that's what they feel like saying listen to the ones that are in the field doing the work that have spent their careers doing this yeah. that care about it those are the right. ones that have the information you need so brian before we get off today um you you cited some uh, stuff on y'all's website earlier to, to to look at. So can they find some resources on CWD, CWD at QDMA.com? Yeah, I'd say there's two really good places to go for CWD information. Okay. One is the QDMA website, QDMA.com, really right. easy to find. The other is there's a, a group called the CWD Alliance. And this is a group formed many years ago. And it's groups like Quality Deer Management Association, Boone and Crockett Club, Mule Deer Foundation, mm-hmm. Rocky Mountain Elk, all the reputable nonprofit groups. Right. They all form together, have a, a website that is just a repository for science and fact. There's mm-hmm. no opinion. There's no advocacy statement one way or the other. It's just you just yeah. want facts. And it's cwd-info.org, CWD Alliance. So cwd-info.org, wonderful place for, for factual information, anything on your state-by-state state directory of what's known, ever published on CWD, it's right there for your state. Gotcha. It's easy to find. Awesome. So, guys, when we – upload this podcast we'll uh put links to both of those sites up there so you can get to them easily uh brian we're gonna let you run because again i know you have a lot of stuff going on today again thank you for your time I know you're busy guys thank you all for listening today hope y'all got something out of this cwd is definitely worth something for our attention um, as always thank you for listening to speak the language podcast